So I am on Facebook, and I don't do a lot with it, but there's part of it that I like. I like hearing from people, some people, uh, and seeing what they're up to and seeing what their kids are up to. And then there are other people that put stuff on there that I really just don't care about. Like, I really don't care you're going shopping for tires on Friday. But the one thing I really don't like about Facebook, I could say almost hate about Facebook, is the fact that I have to be friends with all of my high school friends. <laughs> These are people who I haven't spoken with since 1987. They don't know me anymore. Because the person that I was is not the person that I am. And they have not been with me to see how I have changed. And you know what Facebook does? Facebook freezes you in a time and place. And so there's, they see me as the 1987 Brian, not the 2013 Brian. And they couldn't have known that I have changed because to see someone transform, to see someone change, you have to be in a relationship with them. You have to be close to them to see how it is they are changing. And Facebook is not a relationship. Facebook is a message board. And so they can't see how I have changed. And it's a given, is it not, that we do change over our lives. The things that we have gone through, our ups, our downs, our illnesses, our health, our loves, our loves lost, all of these things contribute to who we are today and help us, they change us into who we are. You know, I was thinking as I was preparing for this teaching that what if there was a Facebook page for our spiritual lives? What if there was a Facebook page for our internal lives? Would I be as upset about Facebook if that were the case? In other words, have I really changed that much in my inner life since 1987? since 2007, since seven months ago? Am I different? Has my relationship with God changed to the point where I can look back and say, yeah, that's not the person that I was, and that's not the person I'm going to be? I think too often we get stuck in our spiritual lives, and we don't move forward. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. That Sunday where we are reminded is the Sunday before Ash Wednesday where we are reminded when Jesus went up to the mountain and took Peter and James and John with him and was transfigured right before their very eyes. It's also a time when we can look into ourselves and ask the question, are we being transformed by our relationship with God? Because we are able to change. We are not locked into a Facebook message or mold when it comes to our spiritual lives. Because of Christ, we are free to change. Let us pray. God, give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to understand what it is you are teaching us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
There are several scripture passages I want us to look at today, including the one that was just read to us from 2 Corinthians. But the main verse I want us to look at today comes to us from Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You know, in this verse, Paul is laying out for us two options for our lives. We can either be conformed to the world or we can either be transformed in order to do the will of God. It's that simple. We are either being conformed to the world or transformed. And in being transformed, we are getting to know and do the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's look first at what Paul is telling us not to do. And that is to not be conformed to the world. The original language of the New Testament is Greek, and the word here that's translated conform is the same root. It's got the root that we get the word schema from. You know what a schema is? It's it's an underlying diagram or a plan for how the whole process works. So, for example, in the schema of lighting for this room, the schema will say there's supposed to be a light here and here and here. There's supposed to be an outlet here, here, and here. And the schema designs and tells us how the whole thing works together. When we are conformed to this world, we are buying into the world's schema. We are saying to ourselves and to others that we are going to use the plans and the diagrams of the world to determine how we live our lives. And if we are conformed to the world, we have the world's schema in us and we will follow its path. We will follow what it says because that is the underlying plan. Being conformed to the world means taking, means life taking on a particular form, the form of the world. Now, it's easy for us to say that we're not being conformed by the world, that the world has no impact on me, that I don't follow the world schema, but actually not being conformed is very tough. We are bombarded every day, every minute, every second with a schema that pulls us away from our true created selves. The world has its own way of doing things, and Paul is saying we should not be conformed to that way. You know, when I was in college, I could tell you who on my college campus played soccer. Now, how could I do that? Very easily, they all looked the same. They all had this uniform, they had these Uh, little sandals that they would wear with white socks and little umbro shorts and a white t-shirt, and they all looked exactly the same. And then they started to talk the same. I mean, this was a school that had a Division I soccer program, and they just all looked exactly the same. You can walk into a classroom and say, there's a soccer player, there's a soccer player, there's a soccer player. Actually, it wouldn't be like that. It would be like they're all together. There's a soccer player, there's a soccer player, because they're all sitting together, right? They all, the underlying schema of soccer player started changing the way they looked and talked and related to each other and to those who weren't soccer players. 
You know, the same could probably be said for the Christian group that I was a part of, that we were being conformed to each other in a Baptist student sort of way. And we would start using the same language and acting the same way. You see, we as humans, will run on whatever schema we've bought into. This is why Paul is so adamant about us not being conformed to the world, not running on the world's plans. We are not to be conformed to the world. We're not to be conformed to the world's way of doing business. We're not to be conformed to the world's way of selfishness. We're not to be conformed to the world's way of relationships. We're not to be conformed to the world's way of sexuality. We're not to be conformed to the world's way of money. Do not be conformed to this world, Paul says. But be transformed. So what does it mean to be transformed? The Greek word for transformed is metamorphumiae. And you can guess what we get from that word. Metamorphosis. So to be transformed means to be changed in such a way that we are not what we once were. To be transformed means that we have metamorphized, if that's even a word, into something else. So our two choices, according to Paul, are to be conformed to the world or be transformed to metamorphize into a new creation, one that knows and does the will of God. You know, it's interesting that the Greek word used here in this passage for transform, it's only used in the New Testament from the passage in 2 Corinthians that Bill read and also to describe what happened to Jesus on top of that mountain in front of Peter and James and John. It's the only time that word is used in the entire New Testament. Now, I do not think Paul is telling us that we are going to be transformed like Jesus was tomorrow and have the glowing clothes and the glowing face and that complete transformation, although I think one day we will. But it's interesting to note that the same type of changing from one thing to another, this transformation that took place on the mountain, is what Paul is calling us to do. We are to be transformed. When I was in college, I felt like my relationship with God was really growing. I could see changes in my life where God was working on me. I was becoming something new. I was growing every day. I could feel the transformation that was taking place. I was becoming a new creation, a new person. And then I went to seminary. Seminary sometimes is not that great for your spiritual life. And then I became a professional and you know, those first few years of ministry were very, very tough. And I began to wonder, what happened to those college days when I could really see that I was growing in my relationship with God and that that relationship was changing me? You know, perhaps you're like this. Maybe there was a time in your life when you could sense that God was transforming you into what you will be. And then maybe life, started just to get in the way. Maybe the schema of the world started to take precedence. Maybe the words of Paul this morning are for you the words of God. Be transformed. Let me change you into what I created you to be. Let me show you what it means to be a new creation. Be transformed. You know, it's like the old hymn, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
I once was blind, but now I see. We are changing and are changed because of the grace of God, the amazing grace of God. But the passage in 2 Corinthians gives us a warning. You see, we can all agree that the goal is transformation. We can agree that we are to be changed by our relationship with God. But how exactly does that change come about? Well, one way to affect change is to mandate it by law or rule, right? If you want someone to stop smoking, pass a law against smoking. If you want people to slow down, you put up a speed limit. You know what? Unfortunately, that also we try to make that work in our religious lives. And unfortunately, all too often, as Christians, we fall back onto making rules and regulations to change people's hearts instead of grace. And so we hear things like this. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to deepen your spiritual life with God, then you must do blank, fill in the blank. You must read your Bible every day for one hour. You must give a certain dollar amount to the next capital campaign. You must pray this prayer in this way at this time of day this many times. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong, there's something wrong with Bible reading or giving or prayer. But when these things are done out of fear instead of love, out of law instead of grace, when they are done out of duty instead of an outflow of our relationship with God, then we have a problem. And Paul, he had a problem. In the second Corinthians, he was telling us about it. You see, the Jewish people had always relied on the law to make themselves right with God. They believed that change or transformation took place not in their hearts, but by following the law. And this is what Paul was talking about in that Corinthians passage when he said that they had veils over their hearts. They were not able to see true change. True transformation comes not from following a law, but through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You know, I think that for many of us, that veil still exists. We want to be transformed. We want to change into a new creation. But it is much easier to follow a rule than to open our hearts. And so we play these games with ourselves and with God. And we tell God that we will do certain things and we will act certain ways. And once we check off the list, we're good, right, God? I've gone to church, check. I've said my prayers, check. I've given a little bit of money, check. I've done no great outrageous sins, check. I've got them all done, I'm good, right? Brothers and sisters, true transformation, true change comes not from following a rule or checking things off a list. True transformation comes when we take off the veil from our hearts and allow Christ to transform us. Transformation does not come from us. It comes to us from Christ. It comes from the Spirit. In fact, 
In that 2 Corinthians passage, Paul says that only Christ removes the veil over our hearts and that where there is Christ, there is the Spirit. And where there is Spirit, there is freedom. Freedom from law and rule. Freedom to be changed. Freedom to be transformed. Freedom to be who God created us to be. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. This type of transformation, this renewing of the mind, this kind of change, it starts with one simple step. And that is to open our hearts and minds to the love of God in Christ. That's it. That's all it takes. Just us saying to God, I am here. I am yours. I want to be transformed into what you want me to be. On Wednesday, we start the season of Lent, 40 days till Easter. So why not start now? Why not use this season that we are entering to say to God, I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I no longer want to use the world's schema to run my life. I turn it over to you completely. And then, every day, do it all over again. Let us pray. God, we open ourselves up to you. And ask that you transform us into the new creation that you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Continue our worship now with the giving of our tithes and offerings.